Hello, my friend. How are you, Ali? Can you hear me? I'm great. What about you, Fernando? Good, good, good. Yeah, I hear you. Good, good, good. I hear you as well. You're, we're, we have a pretty good connection so far. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. For sure. Thank you. Good, good, good. Listen, I wanna, uh, I wanna start this episode, our second episode here at the One Podcast, uh, by thanking our friend uh, Wahdi Ahmed in Chicago for his old melody, uh, welcoming our, our our guest, our audience, our listeners. Uh, to our podcast. This is uh, an original piece uh, by uh, Wahdi, inspired by Lahaj tradition. So we hope uh, our friends would enjoy it and, and hope to have him uh, at the podcast very soon. So Ali, one of the first things that uh, I want to talk about uh, as well today is, is, is something we haven't touched upon in our introductory this talk and in their first episode, uh, and it's been our fault, we, we kind of skipped this, but um, to our friends listening, unfortunately, this podcast is not an introduction to, to Yemen. Uh, our discussions uh, will assume our listeners, our viewers uh, have a grasp of Yemeni affairs and history, so we won't be doing the so-called you know, Yemen 101 during our discussions, uh, we assume people are following the news, people know the regions, uh, they will know the acronyms, etc. And, and this just makes it easier to, to get more uh, a deeper discussion with our guests and, and not having to go into detail introducing. So you're welcome to ask us uh, questions via our Twitter accounts or in your comments uh, once we once we come out with each episode. But uh, how are things in Aden, Ali? Everything good? Well, everything yeah, seems good, but today, you know, uh, uh, fuel shortage, just uh, weird. Uh, we don't know what's the, the problem behind that. And, and uh, even uh, the national currency uh, is uh, coming, uh, I mean, uh, you know, the pollution happening back again. Uh, we were not sure of the mistake, just uh, following the arrival of the, the government. But now the, the process of uh, the value of the, the, the real price is uh, decreasing uh, once again. And we don't know what's going on behind these two things in the city. Right, right, Ali. And as we move into the news, uh, you had a couple of issues, a couple of headlines you wanted to discuss, right? Mm, yes, sure. Uh, you know, uh, and I'm focusing on two, uh, two headlines. One is Oregon. I mean, just the uh, market today and the deposit is very big here. About uh, such like a dispute. A new dispute between the, the STC and the, 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 the government. Uh, this is he rejected uh, some uh, decisions made by the president that last night, uh, naming new officials, new, new uh, I mean, uh, new head for the Shura Council, and, uh, uh, new general and some other officials. And uh, this is, uh, without uh, the negotiation, negotiation with the STC. Right. This were, this were some decrees by the president on Friday. 
the um, Friday, the 15th of January, where he appointed uh, former Prime Minister Ahmed bin Daghir as president of the Shura Council. He appointed a new Attorney General, former Deputy Minister of Interior, and other appointments, correct? Exactly, yes. He, he did that without, without, I mean, talking to the, the, the SDC, uh, the president or the other staff negotiating their behalf. And uh, today the SDC just declared uh, a statement saying that uh, all these uh, decisions are rejected and they are uh, unacceptable. Right. So, so again, you expect that this thing, yeah, the ball would get, would get bigger. Now, everybody is talking about this thing here, and and the was getting bigger with the, as I told you, with fuel crisis and uh, the currency crisis is back again. Things seems not going on that the right track. Right, right. Then you also had the headline from uh, Matter, right, from Murad. Yeah. Also, I have uh, as you follow, followed my reporting for the national the, the last couple of days. Uh, I have been following the the, the story. Uh, which was living there in uh, the battlefront in, uh, in southern in the southern territory in Madrid, uh, the militia uh, had like fierce confrontations with the red flags, and they were like uh, like slight advancement made by the tribes. They controlled some uh, strategic mountains there. Uh, strategic mountain is overlooking uh, that the posts and in Rahba district. Uh, this mountain is called the Pareza. The, 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 the tribes took control and uh, fierce confrontations just happened there. And, uh, more more than 27 of the Malaysia militias were killed, as well as more than 10 of the tribes were killed. Um, and the, 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 the battle is going on, it's dragging, it's still dragging there, the, the, this territory, um, mainly between the, the tribes and the, the militias. And this area is the southern part of, of Madib that, that is uh, bordering Al-Baida province, correct? This is sort of where the Houthis have moved from from the, the fighting against AQ and ISIS in Haifa and that area. And then moving from, from the southeast after the fight with the Alawadi tribes, right? Yes. You know, uh, Fernando, this uh, territory is the stronghold of Murad, the, the famous uh, tribes of Murad. Uh, and the fight has, has been riding, I mean, personally there for more than uh, two months or more. And uh, not, 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 I mean, a gross advancement, but the, the, the confrontation is still riding there uh, because it's, the, the, the terrain is mountainous areas, mostly mountainous areas. And uh, the, the tribes, uh, I mean, have the, 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 the competence to, to clash with the Houthis. So no progress, but some, I mean, shift transitions. Sometimes right. the tribes, sometimes the Houthis. Right, right, right. Well, this we're definitely going to follow, keep up with these news and follow this up. Um, because it's it's interesting the way that that the fighting is developing in in, in Uh For me, some of the headlines that, that that I've been wanting to to touch upon is uh, something that you know, it's it's happening right now, 
which is um, the fighting in Haima, the atrocities being committed in uh, Haima uh, ties. And, um, and for this reason, we, we brought, uh, we invited uh, a guest, a special guest today, uh, Ms. Butania Farouk, uh, who is a researcher for the Arasid Coalition. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, their Twitter handle is at YCMHRV. Uh, Ms. Farouk, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. We really appreciate you. Uh, good evening to you in Malaysia. Good morning so to you. <laughs> yes, yes. The sun's still down over here in, in the West Coast, <laughs> in the U.S. Um, but thank you very much. And, and and as I was bringing in, you know, this this news, these events taking place in Alhaima, um, ties are definitely raising some eyebrows everywhere, raising some alarms uh, everywhere as we move from, you know, the events of 30 December. 2020 in Aden with the attack in Aden airport with the U.S. having sanctioned five security officials in December. And now, you know, the, the, the current administration, the Trump administration is threatening to list the Houthis come this 19th uh, January. So there's a big debate uh, among the international community in particular. Uh, we definitely see the debate in, among Yemenis pro and against this listing. But um, we invited you today because we're, your, your organization has been doing some work and following up these, these violations and these events. So if you can uh, please help us understand what's going on in uh, Haima, Thais, we'd really appreciate it. Exactly. Thank you very much. Uh, so uh, basically what is happening in uh, Al Haima cluster villages in the five-year besieged city of Thais is that the Houthis, um, launched a vicious attack um, on uh, the villages of Al Haima uh, under uh, the pretext of fighting Al Qaeda and um, ISIS elements. Of course, this has been always their excuse whenever they um, started their attacks, whenever whenever they attack uh, new areas, whenever they find the need to justify their uh, crimes and violations against uh, civilians. And of course, Houthis have been committing uh, serious violations to human rights, uh, including uh, destructions of home, um, murder, execution, uh, abduction, um, enforced displacement, and enforced disappearance. Um, but what is actually happening in Al Haima, according to local sources, is that um, Houthis targeted Al Haima uh, villages because uh, they wanted to punish actually the residents of Al Haima because um, uh, they refused to allow them first, they refused to uh, uh, pay uh, extra farm uh, taxes imposed by Houthis. This is the first reason, and the, the second reason is because uh, they didn't uh, allow them, they refused to allow them uh, to um, establish. Uh, military bases on their uh, lands and farms. Therefore, Houthis shelled the, the villages with um, uh, medium and heavy weapons um, in order to punish the residents and to make an example out to them, to other people living in areas under Houthi control that might dare 
to challenge Houthis. And this is one of Houthis' approaches, actually, to spread fear and uh, terror among civilians. Right. And this is the area we're talking about, right? In the green, in the exactly. green circles. Yes. This is this is Taiz. So this is basically the distance to the Taiz airport here. Yeah. Yes. Um, this is Al Haima, lower Al Haima in Taiz, and then upper Al Haima is in Ib province, correct? On the border, actually, between right. Ib and Taiz, yeah. Oh, right, right. Ali, any questions for Ms. Farouk? Yeah, Kuzina, thanks for joining us in this uh, episode. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. I am I'm here in Aden, and I have been following the updates there with some friends and some colleagues there in Taiz. And I'm wondering why did the, the, the National Army left Haima, the, the area which were targeted by the police alone? Uh, they have been, I mean, such crimes, such violations have been committed by, this, uh, yeah. uh, by, by the police for more than uh, two weeks. And the, the army in the, in the Taiz region didn't act. They don't react to their villas, they don't respond to the many uh, calls that the civilians have been calling. And they they just give them that, uh, I mean. Uh, yeah. So, what, what do you think? Why the army didn't react? They don't respond to the, 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 the many villas sent by the civilians there. Yeah, this is not the first time that the legitimate forces actually and the legitimate, the legitimate uh, army uh, let down Yemenis. This is like the third time. I mean, we still remember what happened three years ago in uh, Hajur. And maybe that because they feel afraid of the international uh, response. Uh, because so far, unfortunately, the international community um, has failed to take effective actions to force Houthis. Um, to uh, face consequences for their actions. And uh, honestly, Yemenis have been sick and tired of the condemnation statements. They need actions to be taken by the government and by the international community. So both sides are to be blamed, actually. And we are still waiting. We're still hoping that there may be some actions to be taken because if they didn't uh, take the effective action to prevent Houthis from committing these crimes against the civilians, they this scenario will be repeated in the future and maybe in the near future because it happened in Atma, it happened in Hajur, and now it is happening in Al Haima. And who knows which area will be next? So, we need effective action to be done to be conducted by the government, by the army, by the international community, by international organizations. Because Houthis must be held accountable for their crimes. It is very important for the civilians in Yemen that Houthis to be held accountable for their crimes and violations. Right, right. And also, one, one, one question for me is, uh, we, we see the, the pro-Houthi, the narrative coming from Sana'a, that these operations, that the security operations in this area have been against Al-Qaeda elements, against ISIS uh, elements. Uh, but they haven't provided any evidence of any any uh, uh, casualties or any names of the uh, operatives that they they've had. So how do you see this? Why are Houthis labeling this again uh, as a counterterrorism type of uh, operation? Houthis, uh, Houthis are labeling everyone as terrorists. If you're not with me, you are against me. That is their principle, basically. 
So you must be a follower to Houthis, otherwise you are the enemy. So you will be terrorists just for the sake of opposing them. And that was the reason, the reason behind Al-Hayma attack was to oppress the locals because they said no to Houthis, because they refused to pay extra um, taxes. And it's worth mentioning that this area is under Houthi control. This area in particular, this area... Yeah, this area is... Yeah, yeah. Since the war. I mean, this is is all within the Houthi sphere since 2015. Almost, yeah, almost. So it is an area of clashes from time to time. Okay. So uh, that is one thing. And as you mentioned, they never provide evidence. And even if that doesn't give them the right to blow up houses, that doesn't give them the right to uh, kill civilians, that doesn't give them the, the right uh, the right to execute civilians right. without fair trials. This, this, this tactic of blowing up houses is definitely something that the Houthis have come to utilize since 2014 when the fight in uh, Amran, in, uh, the, the fight in, that, that moved from Damar, Sada, to Amran, and they blew up the house of uh, Sheikh Abdullah Ahmad, for example. That was the big yeah. first sort of event that, that, that the, the Ansar Allah, the Houthis, um, promoted as. And then we've seen how they've done it to various sheikhs or various political personalities. And, you, you, you know, it, it, it directly affects the family of that individual uh, that, they're, that they persecuted. Exactly. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that uh, Houthis are committing genocide um, against the uh, Al-Hayma population. I mean, uh, we can list the vi- some of the violations committed there. Um, for example, uh, for about a week, uh, they imposed uh, a comprehensive uh, siege on the villages. Uh, they shelled the villages uh, using uh, medium and heavy weapons. Um, they have so far uh, raided 207 homes. Um, yeah, yes, so far, till now. And uh, they destroyed uh, 28 others, other, other, um, sorry, other homes, uh, besides um, other houses and buildings were damaged by the indiscriminate, um, by Houthis indiscriminate shelling, uh, which amount to uh, war crime according to the international humanitarian law because the international humanitarian law criminalizes um, the attacks on uh, populated areas and criminalizes the attacks on uh, private pro- uh, property, including homes. And um, if I'm not mistaken, um, Article 53 um, of the Fourth uh, Geneva Convention uh, prohibits um, uh, the destruction of uh, fixed or m- movable uh, property. Uh, concerning um, <clears throat> the, uh, concerning individuals or groups, or civilians. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, civilians, uh, since it imposes uh, homelessness and right. it uh, deprives uh, um, yeah, the, the number of yeah. IDPs are growing. Just yeah, not from exactly. natural disaster, not from uh, the virus, yeah. but from the war continues yeah. to to create new IDPs. And one one thing we we saw this this made the rounds in, on social media was the uh, incident of the hanging of three individuals uh, exactly. that was uh, claimed by the Houthis as terrorists that they were terrorist elements. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, do you have more information without mentioning the names of the? Uh, yeah, were killed, but who were they? What information do you have about these individuals? 
yeah, the information that we have about those um, individuals who uh, individuals who were uh, executed by Houthis, uh, according of course to uh, some of the residents uh, that we were able to talk to, uh, these um, civilians were actually farmers who protested against uh, the imposed tax um, by Houthis. And that is their only guilt, that is their only crime, that they um, uh, they protested against this decision. And of course, um, we trust the, this, these testimonies because these are residents, they don't have any reason to lie. And of course, right. they know those people. And if you notice, one of them is a teenager, is obviously yeah. a teenager. That doesn't make any sense that this child actually affiliated with Al-Qaeda or ISIS. Right. Any questions, Ali? Any follow-up? No, no, no. Athena uh, has, uh, I mean, gave, I mean, a bigger picture about what's happening there. I mean, the Houthis are committing horrible crimes. They are doing much, exactly. much, what's worse than the, the, the Qaeda and ISIS do. They have uh, sacrificed, as we, we've seen, uh, uh, sacrificed some, some people and hanged them to trees, and they, they executed a lot of dozens of civilians, raided. Uh, yeah. in uh, tens of houses. Uh, this is much worse than the Al-Qaeda or ISIS do. Exactly. Well, just back to your comment on taxes. I mean, this is sort of one of the themes, right, when it comes to, to the activities in the Houthis that we saw how they have increased uh, taxes for various purposes uh, throughout their territories that, the, that they control. And now because of this area in northern Thais bordering with Ib is, is, is very farm oriented. I mean, this is where the farming in Thais, uh, there's a lot of green area, a lot of farmers, a lot of individual farmers. Um, and, and we have seen how Houthis from Damar, for example, and Ib have been promoting you know, for the last couple of months, agriculture production. You, you, you know, we see this as being, you know, in their PR campaign as a flourishing sector. You know, the, the, this is what the Houthis are investing in. This is what the Houthis yes. want to see the world that they that, 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 that they blasted, you know, almost six years in the war and that they're thriving in, in various areas where they're doing, taking care of services. But at the end, production produces also taxation. And, and uh, in an area like Thais, like northern Thais, um, that, that is so fertile, definitely the, the, these are areas where Houthis want revenue because they are lacking revenue. In the absence of, the, we're supposed to have a, a, a guest today from, from the humanitarian, from the INGO UN uh, community talking about aid and, and the impact of humanitarian delivery and distribution. But this is one of the areas, right? At, for, for over six months since May, almost eight months since May of 2020, the influx of, of humanitarian assistance has decreased because of Hodeida, because of conflicts in Salah. And this has affected the Houthi profit machine. This, this has decreased the revenue for, for Houthis. So they've had to shift to, to other areas in order to make up for that revenue, whether it is for profiteering or to maintain the war effort. Yes, exactly. Is, is, do you see this happening anywhere else uh, in, the, in the areas under their control? 
yeah, it will happen. Uh, now it's winter, so probably it's not time for agriculture, but we may see um, and hear uh, such incidents in the near future, maybe in, in the summer. And as I told you before, this is not the first time, and I'm afraid it won't be the last time because so far uh, there is no action that has been taken against Houthis. So let's hope for the best but i'm afraid that this is not the, the last time that houthis will impose uh, siege on uh, villages uh, this is not the first time that they will um, impose taxes they will force people to pay them money yeah it's yeah that's another debate in and of itself correct because this is the, this became a huge problem last year in 2020 when the their imams began to promote this and make it official, you know that the that there the, that this particular Zaidi uh, tax that goes to the Hashemi uh, families, which Al Houthi Beit Al Houthi are part of, that um, this would create a new strain on 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 everyone under their in, in territory under their their control uh, throughout northern Yemen. Um, and again, there was no explanation for for making this obligatory once again in the history of northern Yemen, uh, because they don't know if this tax is going to be distributed to Hashemi families only and to which Hashemi families, or if it's going to the state under Ansar Allah, under the Supreme Council for to provide services or or, or to sustain the war. So they're not being very transparent when it comes to to this issue uh, at all so far. But uh, Ms. Farouk, I really appreciate your time. Really, thank you very much for joining us uh, so late as well in, in the evening in your time. Uh, we hope to invite you again to give us an update uh, on events in Al-Hamid. Hopefully, the international community will pay more attention uh, we saw a report by the UN Security Council a couple of days ago uh, as well, trying to look at the humanitarian situation and addressing the Houthi listing as a foreign ter terrorist, but not a terrorist organization, but not much about this issue. You know, it was too fresh, I guess, for them to, to discuss, too recent. But thank you very much for your time, Ms. Farouk. Really appreciate joining thank you us. Very much. Thank you. Very thank much. you. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, well, Ali, this this is definitely something that we need to continue. We need to follow up uh, in 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 coming weeks. Um, it's definitely not cooling off. Definitely not not doing. Uh, it's exacerbating the situation. Uh, but a quick a quick update from from my end. Uh, on other news, uh, as we're recording today, Saturday, the, the 16th of January, we're hearing the U.S. will list the Houthis as a foreign terrorist organization effectively the 19th of January, which is one day before the new president takes office, uh, before Biden takes office. This comes as Biden announced uh, Samantha Powers uh, as the new head of USAID. He made this announcement on the 13th of January. Uh, we will keep an eye on, on the language, uh, in particular, and the language used by the State Department. Uh, but it looks like while Biden may not be able to reverse this, uh, just yesterday on, on the 15th, uh, the U.S. announced that they would not reverse their decision 
to to Lister, who sees this coming week. Uh, but the new administration will work to to amend the language uh, and the uh, and, and the appointment uh, of powers at USAID may be a good signal already. Uh, one of the things uh, I'm, I've been talking with with some Yemeni contacts is that this current administration, the Trump administration, may be too sloppy in their language in the in, on the 19th of January. Uh, because of the pressure coming from the international community, again, the UN Security Council discussed this issue and the impact it will have on, on international aid. So for, for my end, I think the administration would be a little bit sloppy on their language, and this will allow the Biden administration to amend the language in order to create exemptions for humanitarian assistance in order to create the opportunities for the U.S. to engage Houthis in the peace process. And just yesterday, uh, some Houthi officials uh, published on, on social media and, and on their media that the listing uh, uh, of the group as a terrorist organization will not affect their participation in, in peace talks when, when they come in negotiations. So we definitely have to... Um, Keep an eye on this uh, in the coming weeks. And in, in, uh, one more thing, just as all of this is developing, we see that there is a new campaign attacking the UN Special Envoy, uh, Martin Griffiths, you know, again, demanding his resignation. And this is coming from all camps. This is coming from Houthis, from, from Coalition, from the SDC, from the South, everything. So we're definitely going to keep an eye on this and see how it develops in this coming weeks. Any updates from your end? Anything? Well, uh, uh, I don't know. As, as you followed, I mean, how uh, the Yemenis just reacted to uh, the, the decision made by the uh, U.S. administration regarding designating the Houthis as a terror group organization. Uh, here in the South, you know, uh, everybody is, uh, was saying that the decision was right. And uh, still, I mean, people are still debating here. A lot of, a lot of talk, a lot of, uh, but let's see how, how, how things will, I mean, will, will, will get in the near future. Right, right. Okay, folks, it's uh, time for, for our second guest. Uh, we're, I'm really happy I'm really excited about having our friend Amar Basha joining us now from, from Cairo. It's been a long time, Amar. Nice to see yeah. you. Nice to see you. Hi, How everybody. Are you? watching Diwan. How are you, my friend? Yeah. Let me introduce you. you to Ali, Ali Mahmoud. I don't, I don't know if you two know each other officially or unofficially. Actually, this is the first time I see him. Uh, thanks, thanks, Amar. It's my pleasure that that I join you in this uh, meeting today. And uh, we we've invited Amar because he he's been uh, he's somebody that I followed. I met a, a long time ago, and someone I followed uh, for for a long while. Um, and, and he's a filmmaker. I, I I believe we can say you're a filmmaker by by profession. I'm trying. <laughs> you're trying. You're trying. You're trying. But um, you. You've produced some very interesting films, videos. You had your own YouTube channel, everything uh, since the revolution, since 2011, and then moved into when this particular war 
the Civil War started, I remember your YouTube channel posting some interesting um, videos from from what was going on in Sanaa, because that, that's where you were living uh, at the time. And I really wanted to invite you because we do want to incorporate you, you, culture, Yemeni culture, arts into our program and be able to bring people like you uh, closer to an international audience that don't know that, you know, all of this is vibrant, it's a, you know, in, in Yemen, throughout Yemen. And hopefully later on, we'll bring some Southerners, some people from Hadramaut and Hodeida that are doing some really excellent stuff, along with Yemenis living abroad. But why don't you tell us something about what drove your, your, your work uh, as an artist, as a filmmaker? Well, basically, um, it wasn't my plan to be doing these documentary films, you know. I've never thought I'm going to be doing these type of works. Um, I've, never, uh, I've never like even had an idea of what I'm going to be producing while holding the camera. And as you said, running in the squares since 2011 and during the time for also. Uh, but you can say that as an independent filmmaker, and I'm proud to be an independent filmmaker, Anyone who will see my films will understand that I'm independent. I don't follow anybody or anyone uh, or any certain uh, group. Uh, I thought there is a need to show some of the uh, truth. Uh, in these days, uh, most of the media or uh, TV channels, they are just uh, a part of an organization and serving certain agendas. And that kind of neglected the voices on the streets, those uh, Yemeni people who are suffering from the war, even if either they, if they are in the south or in the north, those Yemenis who just want to go by the day and, and live their normal life, walk and uh, raise their kids, they don't really uh, uh, care about who's going to rule them as long as they can live their lives in peace. So that was not there present in the media. All what you can see is just people who are just waging for war, uh, calling for more divisions. And during their political fights uh, or military fights, they neglected the true suffering that true ordinary Yemenis are going for. So it was it felt like a duty since I, I know how to hold the camera and, uh, and uh, I'm an independent. And I really think there, there is still good in this world, you know? And all what you need to do is just show a little bit of truth. We are not bad people. We are not terrorists. We are not, like, stupid even. We might be poor, uh, that affecting everybody. But... We are at the end people, and we deserve to, to have our say to the world, no matter what. Right, right. Ali? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy, Ahmad, uh, to join you today. Could he just raise the voice a little, the volume a little bit? I can't hear him properly, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, how is my, my voice now? You hear I'm, I'm, I, I have ahead. to come close to the phone, sorry. No? <laughs> go, go ahead, I might repeat the, the, the question if you can hear, Amar. It's okay now, Amar, you hear me? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, okay, I, I mean, uh, I, I, I want to know when did you leave Yemen? When you, when you have left? When did I leave Yemen? When, when, when you have left? What time? What's the last time you were here in Yemen? Uh, last September. It's almost a year that I left the country. Why you, why you decide to leave? No, it, was, it wasn't the decision to leave. I, I wasn't planning to leave. It was just uh, kind of like I needed a break. <laughs> I don't know if you'll understand that. Um, uh, I've seen, you can, you can say that I've, I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. And uh, I don't want to say even that I'm proud of what I did, but it also, it also made me tired. It kind of like broke me a bit, you know. Uh, and I needed the breather. I needed to breathe a bit, you know. M my fight is yeah. not over yet. I'm just taking a break. <laughs> uh, do you plan to come back? I mean, to your country to to keep yeah, of course. work. Of course, I'm not. I'm not gonna leave the country for you guys. You know, <laughs> as an independent, <laughs> it's my duty. Right. It's my duty to be there one day or another. But maybe not today or tomorrow. But in a little while. How, how do you but see... Amar, go ahead, Ali. Go ahead. Uh, Amar, I want to ask you, I mean, I mean uh, what, what, what the hinders that the obstacles that you face while working? I mean, uh, you, you have such a good and nice work. But as you said, uh, the international media leading, the, the leading everything in Yemen from... I mean, from certain agenda, they, they don't look for the, 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 the nice people such like you. How do you do in publishing your work? Do you have platforms? Have you reached I mean, platforms that can cooperate with you to, to show the world what you are doing? Look, um, I respect those international medias. Just to, to, to make it clear that don't, go, don't get me wrong. As a form of art, they are doing a good job, you know? Uh, whatever we disagree with the way they present things or facts, whether, whether they are serving certain groups that I might not like or maybe I disagree with, but as a form of art of telling a story, they are doing a good job, you know? Yeah. So I'm, not, I'm definitely not trying to compete with any of them. I'm not trying to... Uh, to, uh, to uh, have the platform, because at the end, uh, as an independent filmmaker, it's just very difficult to convince anyone who's like close friends to you that you want to make a film and you might need their support or stuff like that. They don't get it, you know? They don't get the idea yeah. of being independent in a time of war or in time of conflict. So in terms of difficulties, there is like tons and millions of difficulties. But also, yeah, we're thankful I, I, we are living. We are living. Sorry, we are living in this age where there are black platforms like YouTube, like you know. Uh, now that we have this Zoom, and I'm the first time I'm using it, but I'm sure there are like tons of things you can do. And to be honest, I wasn't trying to reach like the uh, ordinary people or the general people. My aim was if I am able to reach those decision makers or whoever is has has something to do with the Yemeni case, and just deliver to them what's going on in the ground, uh, what's happening, uh, what, what what's exactly happening there, and so they may not have a, a wrong idea 
of what they are dealing with. No, if you know what I mean. Well, I, I really appreciate what you are doing, Jamara. And, and I think somehow I was successful with that. I was able to reach to certain people who were really able to affect the way things are going on. Right. I mean, that is one of the things that, that, that I noticed while I was in Sana'a, when I was in Yemen, and then when, when, when I was when I left, uh, been, since I've been outside, is definitely that, you, you know, your work raised the awareness from a different perspective. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like you said, it was real. It was not propaganda. It, 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 it was focused on the event, on the incident. You know, I remember your, your, your work on the bombings, for example, at the beginning uh, of the war. You, so one of the things that I want to ask you about in following up with the, your theme about independence and, and the obstacles that, that Ali talked about, how do you see the film industry in in Yemen, whether it's Sana'a or, or as a whole. I mean, we when I was there, you, you know, I met a number of artists like you. You know, we, we saw the uh, a, a handful of, of Yemenis that went to the Oscars, right, with, with their films. We, we saw that, but it was mainly driven from outside, meaning that there had to be a cooperation between the Yemenis and Sana'a or in Yemen and somebody outside in, in order to create you know, this, uh, uh, this exposure, it, it wasn't just, you know, like people like you that were only focused in Yemen. Yeah. When you look at the industry, when you look at the, the, the capacity, you know, all these people, all these artists in Yemen, what do you think are the main uh, obstacles? There's no market. We don't have a market. We don't have a place where we go to sell our works. We don't have cinema houses. We don't have TV channels that are willing to pay you for your creativity. Uh, I think that's number one problem. Uh, that's why we have to look for help from outside. Uh, but when you say a film industry, Fernando, please, this is a really big world. You know, it's, 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 I cannot just define it by having a market that, that because then you will involve many different aspects and elements of making a film, the industry itself, the cinema houses, the, the film treaties with international uh, studios. Do you want to go a house uh, cinema or do you want to go a studio uh, system? It, it involves so many preparations, so many efforts has to be spent on to making that. And most of all, you need peace first, you know, because you cannot do anything while there is war. Right. So, yeah. I think if we if we have had a market, if I can just make any film, go to the bank, take a loan, and uh, maybe go later on and uh, make a cooperation with a studio somewhere like like what they do in Hadramaut. If you um, if you have followed Hadramaut for a very long time, they have been producing so many long feature films. I don't want to say it's a Hollywood style or a Bollywood style. It was limited uh, with limited uh, abilities and equipments. They were able to produce something and they were able to screen it in some certain cinemas somewhere around the UAE or wherever. They were able, I don't know, I'm not sure if they were able to make profit, but at least they had that try. Uh, Amr Jamal, with his latest film, he tried to uh, screen it in a couple of cinemas in, in Aden. But again, you cannot tell if he made a profit out of that. You, you need, you need a, a real market. You need to be able to communicate 
with international filmmakers and, and bring them to Yemen to shoot there. It's not just about you making a film. It's also about making a, 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 a solid brand for starting a, a, an industry right. like that. Right. Is, is, there, is there a group you, you know, the first thing we we foreigners from from outside is the, for one of the first things we ask is, is there a group of filmmakers? Is there a group, whether it's a student, you know, that, that's another aspect, you know, how education is for, for the film industry, for, for the film sector in, in Yemen, whether it's Aden, Hadramaut, Sana, um, at the university level. Uh, you know, when I was there uh, last, I know that the studios have grown, but it was mainly for broadcast. You know, so there were not, there weren't any private or independent filming studios or recording studios, for example, that were accessible, that were expensive, or that were geared toward helping the, the TV channels in their productions. But is there a group in Yemen that you know of, of filmmakers, of artists, that can be used as a platform to cooperate with the outside? Let's say that that's the first step. You, you, you know, is there such a thing? The, I, I'm not going to start saying names because I'm sure I'm going to be missing some and uh, be, uh, remembering some right now. But there is, there are. The only issue is that they are not united. They are not united under one guild, let's say. Let's say writer's guild, let's say actor's guild, let's say uh, director's guild. We, we, don't have, we don't have that type of cooperation yet. Uh, maybe one of them is a lucky one and he's able to contact some certain uh, countries or organizations and get a deal and, and have some cash but then he will come back to Sanaa or Aden and he will just buy those certain equipments which the budget allow him and then he will try to compete with another company who also made the same so in, in, that, in that that made it difficult to, 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 to work together and, and start doing like I mean we shouldn't compete right now you know uh, until we start producing 100 films, then maybe we, start, we should start competing. Rather than competing, we should cooperate. And, and do you think that some, something like this, like a guild or something, do you think that that should be something the Ministry of Culture, for example, should handle? Or do you think that it should be an independent venture that, that, that independent filmmakers should do? At the moment, whoever is willing to adapt such an idea... I'm welcoming it. We need to start at some point, you know. So it doesn't matter if it's the government or if it's an independent movement or even even if it's administered by like I remember the Germans, they were trying to do uh, something about this, starting like a cinema culture in Yemen, revive it, if I may say. Uh, the French were also trying to do this cultural thing. The, the British also. The, the, the American industry used to have the, they used to have their little, you know cultural gatherings and stuff like that. There were so many activities, so many efforts where we're trying to start this, to revive it. But unfortunately, the political situation in Yemen since a very long time didn't really help anyone to do anything. You know? So right. right now, it's just a, a rolling ball going down and uh, really cannot know what's right. going to happen. Tomorrow. Yeah, unfortunately, what we see when it comes to video footage and everything tends to be just uh, feeding the international media request you, you know where in, in journalists like like Ali other video journalists uh, are really focused on you know which is what you said is what makes people money which keeps people you know food at the table um, but it's this war uh, footage you, you, you know this war reporting uh, we see 
some good production. I, I, I've seen, I follow some of the UN agencies, UNDP, OSHA, et cetera, um, creating some new videos, you know, some very interesting uh, uh, campaign videos for their campaigns, whether it's nutrition or the virus, the coronavirus uh, response, et cetera, or, or, or some of the projects like solar power or agriculture that they've, that they've apparently, I don't know if they've hired Yemeni filmmakers, Yemeni video photojournalists to do these, or have they brought uh, people from outside to do it? They definitely hired Yemeni. Uh, uh, I mean, I told you that there are, there are a lot of names now in Yemen doing a great job in terms of, like, even the technology also made it easier, much easier to, to come up with, with a really clear crystal image, you know? Uh, I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful that we're living in this age. Uh, Yemen, uh, I've met few artists also who I was amazed with the footages they have been taking and the efforts they put into their works and how much they are dedicated into it. So I believe it's a Yemeni work. I don't think they have, they have brought someone from outside. Maybe, maybe in certain cases, they might ask something like uh, an editing process that might, be, might happen outside of Yemen. So normally, production and, and footages are also are all made by Yemenis. Right. Well, in closing, Amar, uh, I want to ask you about your 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 personal view now that you're outside, now that you're in in Egypt and you're you're in Cairo. Um, you know, how do you see things in in Yemen, whether it's politics or this kind of stuff, the, the arts? How, how how does Yemen look to you now from the outside? You know, I've been away from social media for a while. Trying to uh, not comment on until anything. So, so uh, in rehab, on rehab and detoxing, right? Fernando, <laughs> yes. So uh, I would also keep that to me right now, Fernando. I hope you don't mind if I don't comment on that also. So uh, sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm just quiet. I'm watching. I really don't like what's going on. I really think this uh, thing is also in terrorism. Uh, Corner, it's not also going to help anything. I really think also that what's happening by the government is not going to help anything. It's just getting worse and worse. We're just praying that, that they're going to wake up one day and, and sort it out because definitely the war is not going to be over anytime soon if they keep on the way they are doing. Ali, any closing comments, questions? Uh, I, I support uh, Amar in, in what he said. I'm on the ground and I see the same the same thing, the song, the same game everywhere here or there. The same, the same thing, the same shit is just getting over and over. And we don't expect that this war will end soon. This is this is common sense. Yeah. Well, I'm on. I just, I, I just, not, sorry, just want to add one thing. The war didn't start in 2015. The war has been there for a very, very long time. And many Yemeni cities, and you can see that in my clothes, many Yemeni cities since even before that have been demolished or destroyed by whatever powers were in there at that time. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, um, we are nearing the 10 year, 10th anniversary of the Arab Spring, you, you know, the popular revolution, this 2021. Um, we're, we're, Ali and I are going to work on a special program episode uh, on this so we can analyze the the last 10 years you know the, the lead up to 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 this 
incident, to this event, um, the definitions of it, you know, is it the Arab Spring? Was it a revolution? Was it an uprising? Was it the youth? Was it the elite? All of this. Right, right, right. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to bang it out uh, pretty soon. But, but this is one of the things that I've always pushed uh, with the international community, uh, what you just said right now. You know, this conflict, this civil war uh, was there before. Uh, the, the, the unique aspect of it is the role of the international community, the role of regional powers, right? That, that's new. I remember, I remember 2013, <clears throat> I remember 2013 when I was in Sanaa, uh, I, I had talks with, with some friends, uh, you know, and I recall very vividly my, my conversation I had with a good friend, Nasser Anwada in, in Sanaa one day over coffee. And just before the war in Sada between the Houthis and the Salafis and then the Salah and Houthis and Anamak. And he said, you know, Fernando, this thing will not escalate until there's a foreign, until there's an outside patron for one of these parties. Until, until there's some foreign power that comes in and encourages or funds one of the parties, this will just stay at a local level. We're going to have this low intensity conflict you, you know, I mean, to call it low intensity, what happened in, uh, in Sada and Amran, right? Um, but it won't escalate. <clears throat> and then the aspect of 2015, you, you, you know, um, is what took it to the next level. But while a lot of people are, are have these high hopes uh, on the peace process and everything, we, we, we're going to touch on this later on, but we have to remember that a number of actors are well-armed and well-funded now. So even if the big actors you know, sign a peace agreement, there is this underlying issues, you know, beyond revenge, beyond revenge, beyond anything, you have warlords, you have war economy, you have well-funded, well-armed, people are not, might not even be in the conflict today, but they're well-armed and well-funded, you, you, you know, so, yeah. unfortunately, all of these, what was that, sorry? Thank you, Crawler. Makes me think that COVID is kind of like doing us a favor. That I don't know, maybe it's kind of a power that telling these guys to chill out a bit. But that is, right, that is something interesting because I just watched the video of uh, Sheikh uh, Abdullah Al-Afrar in, uh, in Socotra, and he mentioned uh, the role of COVID, you, you, you know, in de-escalating to a certain degree. Uh, yes. the situation in, in, in Yemen. Uh, but at the same time, we see the conflict, the armed conflict continue. I mean, it, so many fronts see war at the moment. Ali, yeah. any comments? Well, lots of talk in this, I mean, in this direction. If we, if we talk, we will not be able to close. <laughs> That's right. Especially in this, yeah. But um, let's let's see how things will, will, will develop here, either in the south or in the north in the coming in the coming days. We were right. we were I mean we were wishing here and in in the south we were I mean expecting that the government will will do something and unfortunately it has been two weeks. Nothing happened. Just the same thing is repeated now. As I told at the beginning that there is. Today we are living very, very horrible uh, uh, fuel shortage, and the, 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 the currency is back again to, to decrease. And 
such problems. I, it seems that uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, we're in, in closed doors. At, at closed doors, we can't we can't pass forward. Well, thank you, Ahmad. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us a little perspective into different areas of Yemen life, of Yemeni life and, and, and culture. Really appreciate you. Take care of yourself. We'll be in touch. Hope to see you in person pretty soon. Once I'm allowed to travel too, you know, all these quarantines and shot vaccines, whatever it takes, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll be back to traveling and, and, and seeing you in person again. Okay, thank, you. thank you very much, Amar. And all the best. Stay safe. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Bye. Ali, thank you very much for joining me again, Ali. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Thanks. Thanks, Fernando. And uh, hope, uh, I mean, we, we carry on the job and uh, plan for the next. <clears throat> Right. And also, um, we want to thank everyone for watching. Thank everyone for listening uh, today. We will have more uh, updates in the coming week. Uh, our next episode, we're already working on our guest. We definitely want to tackle the issue of the humanitarian situation in Yemen. So we're, we're definitely going to bring someone uh, onto the podcast to help us under, better understand the situation and we'll keep following the issues that we've discussed today anything closing early thanks so much see you soon uh, fernando take care take care have a good one thank you everyone thank you for watching thank you for listening and we look forward to your comments and we'll see you next time bye 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 bye